Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on November 20th, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Obviously, it's no secret to anybody, we're coming up on Thanksgiving week, already mentioned a few times in this, in this service here. Um, you, you probably have plans, maybe you're, you're getting together with, with family, it's a good time for family, good time for, for food, absolutely. Uh, you, you all have your favorites, I'm sure, the cheesy potatoes, or the turkey, or the ham, or the, the green bean casserole, or, or maybe you just kind of skip all of that and you go to the pumpkin pie. Um, you love the desserts that, that, that your family members bring, maybe. Um, it's a great time. A great time, and we, ce- we celebrate it here around this time, especially, uh, because we're remembering, uh, at least uh, in, in some measure, we're remembering the, the first Thanksgiving. You, you remember the story, uh, the, the origin of the first Thanksgiving in the United States. It's, um, as someone humorously said, it's the day we remember where we couldn't cook for ourselves, our ancestors couldn't. Uh, but it, it, was, it was when the Wampanoag Indians shared with us, with the, the colonists, the Plymouth colonists, uh, a meal, uh, a harvest festival, a feast, uh, a day to be thankful for, a great day to remember for us um, and, and to remember what we're thankful for as well. Of course, that's not what we're going to be talking about really today. It's a good thing to remember as a U.S. citizen, but Thanksgiving for the church is a really great time to remember and reflect on our own Thanksgiving. Um, what do we have to be thankful for? Have you been thankful generally in the last year? And today specifically, we're going to look at the, the origin of thankfulness, especially in the heart of a, a Christian. So we're, we're looking at Luke chapter 7. Uh, we, we just read that a couple minutes ago. Uh, we were introduced to a Pharisee in there named Simon. Now, Simon... This guy was a somebody. People knew him. He rubbed shoulders with the the people who were considered the elite of society. And so if somebody prominent or somewhat prominent was coming to town, they were going to get an invite to a dinner party at Simon's house. Simon knew people, and people knew Simon. Uh, He was a prominent Pharisee. So when, when he heard about this, prominent speaker, this guy who was gaining popularity, who crowds seemed to be following, Jesus. Jesus got this invite to Simon's house. And Simon probably had everything ready, kind of like you will on Thanksgiving. If you're hosting, you're going to have everything just right. You want your guests to enjoy this meal. Simon likely was the same. This was going to be a great opportunity for him because when Simon entertained prominent guests, it only served to boost his reputation in the community too. So the, the popularity of Jesus might rub off on, on him just a little bit. And, and this dinner would serve kind of a dual purpose. He would get a chance to see for himself if Jesus was really worth the hype. If there was really a, a good reason why all these people were following Jesus. Well, uh, of course, the, the dinner party did not quite go as expected. Whoever was 
assigned to work the door, the, the bouncer, so to speak, must not have been doing his job that day, because he let this woman in, this woman who brought with her this alabaster jar of perfume. You can see her, her carrying that in, and all of a sudden, she starts fawning over his guest of honor, starts fawning over Jesus at his feet, even. And, and this was all a bit embarrassing for Simon. He had planned this, this great meal, and now this woman was doing this, and he recognized her. He knew who that woman was, so did everybody that was sitting around that table, because that woman was known in the community. She was known in the community uh, as a sinner, which probably wasn't even quite a harsh enough term. She was a prostitute. This wasn't somebody that Simon would have even wanted to be in the same room with. It would have been repulsive to him. This was great. How, how, how could he have expected this for his dinner party? Now everything was ruined. And look at how Jesus was treating her. You know, Simon kind of thought, maybe I'll just have her thrown out, you know. Uh, this is kind of making a scene. Let's just put her out of the house and, and be done with it. We can move on with the dinner. But honestly, he was stunned. He was stunned that, that Jesus would, would let her that close to him. If he truly was a prophet... He would know who she was and what she had done, and he wouldn't let her near him, let alone touch him. This was disgusting. It stunned Simon. You notice these are all these thoughts that Simon was, was thinking. He didn't say these things out loud. Maybe you could tell by the look on, on his face, but Jesus could tell because Jesus can read your heart and Jesus can read your mind. And so Jesus responds, it says, he responds to Simon's thoughts. That's got to be a startling thing. But he says to Simon, I have something to tell you. And he tells him a really quick parable. You got the parable, right? Somebody owed a lot, somebody owed a little, both to the same lender. Uh, both debts were forgiven. And the basic question that was asked of Simon is, which one of these is going to love more? Which one of these is going to be more thankful that their debt was forgiven? Well, Simon didn't have to think about that one for too long. You wouldn't either. Of course, the one who was forgiven more would love more. Of course, the one who was forgiven more would be more thankful to, to the master for forgiving uh, this debt. As Simon answers that question, though, he, he's still kind of oblivious, <laughs> He's oblivious to the fact that this parable was about him and this Samaritan woman. Jesus was telling this about them too. <laughs> you see, Simon had invited Jesus to have a dinner at his house, but Simon didn't even show Jesus what was common courtesy in those days. Simon didn't have even basic manners towards Jesus. It was basic manners in those days to give somebody a bowl of water to wash their feet. It was dusty outside, and everybody wore sandals. And so they would clean their feet before they came into the, the house. It, it was common courtesy in that day to offer a little bit of oil for the head. It was probably good for the skin, right? It was common courtesy to greet somebody, your guest, when they, they came in. And, and in those days, they'd greet with a kiss. And Simon did none of those things that he would do to any of his guests. He didn't do any of those things for for Jesus. And you might think, ah, what's the big deal, right? Sometimes if I have a guest over, maybe I'll forget to shake their hand, right? Or, or maybe uh, I should have offered them something and I, I forgot. 
But this wasn't just uh, plain forgetfulness. This wasn't the fact that Simon didn't know the, the spirit or the, the customs of the day, uh, the basic manners of the day. No, this revealed Simon's heart. This revealed his attitude toward Jesus. Simon had little love, little thankfulness, which that itself was even just a symptom of a deeper problem. Simon didn't need Jesus, or didn't think he did. Simon didn't think he needed a Savior from sin. You know, you have to have sin in order to need a Savior from sin, and Simon wasn't altogether convinced that he had sins, at least not big ones, not like that woman who's on the ground by Jesus' feet. Her sins were big compared to her. Simon really didn't have sins. Maybe you already got what Simon's deep issue is from the description at the beginning. Simon's deep problem is this self-righteousness that has taken up its residence in his heart. But the truth is, that self-righteousness lurks in the corner of every human heart, yours and mine included. It's a product of our sinful nature, and that self-righteousness, if left unchecked, will grow and grow and grow if it's fed with pride. Pride that we, we exhibit sometimes when we, we like to prop ourselves up on other people's sins. That's what Simon was doing, right? Simon was propping himself up on what he knew this woman had done. We do the same, right? We, we kind of, uh, although we might be uh, outraged by, by some sin that somebody has, has done, there's a part of us that kind of likes it too. Because we didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't fall in that way. We didn't make that same mistake. We, we prop ourselves up on other people's sins. And, and, and as we do that, our pride, our selfishness, our, our self-righteousness grows and grows and grows. It, it grows when it's not humbled by the mirror of God's law. And as that, that self-righteousness grows, you know it has less room in your heart? Love and thankfulness. Self-righteousness pushes that just out of there. There's no more room to be thankful. There's no more room to show love. In fact, as that self-righteousness grows, there also isn't any room for Jesus either. As it grows, you become more and more apathetic towards Jesus and what he did for you. If you've had moments like that, uh, or seasons like that, if you're in a season like that right now, where you kind of feel apathetic toward Jesus and what he did, it was kind of hard to get out of bed and come here uh, today, you need somebody to hold up the mirror of God's law for you. Let me do that for you this morning. You are a sinner. You were born that way. You still are. You deserve hell for your sins, even those ones that you consider to be really small. Even though you, you consider yourself better than somebody else, your sin still deserves hell. Apart from Christ, there is not even a minuscule amount of righteousness in you. That's the reflection of you and me in the mirror of God's law. And you know what? That's what this woman saw. She knew. 
She knew what her reflection was in that mirror. And she knew that she couldn't even stand before Jesus. And so she crawls to him on his feet. She knew she was a sinner. Her sins were obvious to her. But, but just as obvious as her sins were to her was her need for a Savior. You kind of notice in the text, right, how Jesus treats the, the, the Pharisee, Simon, quite a bit different than he treats this woman. <laughs> it, you can't really read tone too much, but, but you imagine that, that Jesus' tone toward this woman was quite a bit different than, than Simon. He treats this woman with gentleness and with care. Long before her tears wet his feet, he knew. He knew in her heart that she was distressed over her sins. He knew that she felt sorry for them. These tears were just the result of her great love for God and the fact that she knew that despite her love for God, she had broken his law and she felt so bad about that. This jar of perfume that she brought, it wasn't her payment for her sin. It wasn't a sacrifice. She knew that wouldn't have been done any good, just like you and I know that. Because we know exactly what David said in in Psalm 51. He said, Lord, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you God, will not despise. This woman came before Jesus with a broken and contrite heart. She wasn't holding on to some perceived sense of dignity. She wasn't trying to fake some sense of righteousness in front of Jesus or anyone else for that matter. She knew what those guys thought about her that were sitting around that table. She knew that they knew her sins. (laughs) But she didn't much care. What she cared about was, was Jesus was being in Jesus' presence, was being able to honor Jesus in this, in this way because she trusted that Jesus could and would take away her sins, that he could and would heal her broken and contrite heart because she knew who Jesus was and what he came to do. That he didn't come to congratulate guys like Simon who thought themselves to be pretty good. He came to save sinners, to die on the cross for sinners, to make the sacrifice once for all that would heal broken and contrite hearts. And so Jesus could say with great compassion to this woman, your sins are forgiven. Just imagine that. Imagine Jesus making eye contact with you. And you have all this brokenness inside, all of this sin and guilt that you're carrying around. And Jesus says to you, your sins are forgiven. They're gone. So is the shame. So is the guilt. They're gone. You stand forgiven before God. Whatever it is that causes those tears to well up in your eyes, whatever sins that you've committed against God or against others that trouble your heart or darken your soul, those are Jesus' words for you. You are forgiven. Your guilt and shame are gone. So is your fear of eternal death and God's judgment in its place. You have peace because, like this woman, your faith has saved you. That's shocking to the people who were there. (laughs) It wasn't shocking to this woman. 
But it was shocking to them. They said, who is this that even forgives sins? But this woman, she was not shocked by Jesus' forgiveness. She was thankful for it, but she wasn't shocked. She had brought with her her alabaster jar of thanks because she knew who Jesus was and what he had come to do. He, she knew that Jesus wanted her to be forgiven. He, she knew that Jesus wanted her to be with him forever in heaven. And so she could come with all emotion, with all her vulnerability, and lay her sins before Jesus because she knew exactly what Jesus' response would be. She knew that Jesus would take away all of her sins and would forgive them completely, unconditionally, and mercifully. Have you ever wondered, uh, when we, we get to the part of the confession at the beginning, have you ever wondered how we would even be able to stand in that scenario? How could we even stand in the presence of God knowing who we are and confess our sins to God who could crush us like, like a bug? If we believe like we say we do, that when we come into worship, we come into the presence of God, why aren't we absolutely terrified? It's because we knew exactly what this woman knew. It's because we know that when we start the service after that, that first hymn and we say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know that that's supposed to transport us back to our baptism. When we were marked with the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that was stamped on you permanently. You are his child. That's your identity. Your sins have been washed away by the power of the water and the word. Through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, your sins are gone. No child who has a loving father is scared to stand before him. And you stand before your God in the presence of God as a child stands before their loving father. Then, then we went on in the, in the confession, right? And, and in this new liturgy, we say a verse before we confess, right? You maybe have it memorized by now. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know why we say that? Because we're confessing our sins to God, not begging on the off chance that he might be gracious to us. We know a God who has promised to be gracious to us, who has promised to forgive our sins when we confess them. And that's why we can confess with confidence, knowing that God is a God who is merciful, who forgives sins completely and unconditionally. We don't take advantage of that. We don't use that as an excuse to go sin more. But we confess our sins with the full knowledge and confidence of who God is. This woman was thankful. And that thankfulness found its origin in a forgiven heart. She knew how much she had been forgiven. And from that forgiven heart came her, her outpouring of thankfulness, this awesome act. That alabaster jar of perfume was not cheap. <laughs> that was maybe a year's wages for that alabaster jar of perfume, but it wasn't extravagant for that woman. It reflected the thankfulness that she had in her heart. It reflected her Savior and the love that our Savior had for her. That love that is too wide to get your arms around, too high to reach, too long to get to the end of, and too deep to get to the bottom of. And that's the love that your Savior has for you. That's the love that has saved you. That's the loving Savior that you confess your sins to. 
And it is with that forgiven heart that God has given us that we are able to overflow with thankfulness toward him. God help us to do just that. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Hey, in this 21st century, one of the ways that you can share your faith is pretty easy. By sharing this podcast, by sharing this sermon, you you can share Jesus' love with somebody that might need to hear it today. If you like what you you heard today, maybe consider doing something just like that. And we'll, we'll see you here back next week for another sermon. God bless.